morning, everyone. Glad to see you all here. Let's stand and worship together. Oh, there's nothing. 
you guys can't hear, there we go, welcome. Aren't you glad you're here this morning to be able to sing and lift him up and say, whatever grave you've been walking in this week, whatever has maybe discouraged you, you guys, he can turn that around. Do you believe that this morning? I'm excited to be here with you and worshiping with you. So glad that you're here. If this is your first time here, a special welcome. And you probably received one of these coming in, and there is a connect card in there. And if you're new, we would love for you to fill this out. Uh, we've been working on a new database, and so if you're not getting emails from us or not starting to get communication, you need to fill it out too because that means we don't have your stuff. So if you'll do that and turn it in um, <clears throat> either as the offering goes by or in the box, that would be fantastic. So I mentioned our new da database. It's called Breeze. You see it up there on the screen. And a lot of you have been getting invites to come and be a part of that where you can be able to um, check your information, make sure it's right, and then it'll eventually be kind of like a, a little bit of a mini directory. That's only if you want your information shared. So that's Breeze. And if you have questions, if you're not sure how this works, if you're struggling with trying to, I don't understand, I'll be out here next to the welcome area that we're eventually going to get that turned to an actual welcome area. It needs some work, I know. We're getting there. Um, anyway, meet me there, and we can help you out with that. So this Wednesday, we are super excited about our first ever First Wednesday. And what that's going to be about is every First Wednesday of the month, we're going to gather. And we're going to gather and just have um, a time of worship and prayer. And it's going to be an amazing time. This is for you to step away during your week and just come and be together with each other and to lift one another up in prayer and to pray for, we're going to kind of walk you through some things. And we're going to worship together too. So 6.30 this Wednesday, please come. If you have a little and they're under four, we will have child care for you. So make sure that you do that. So this week... If you are getting emails, you should have gotten something about small groups. Did you guys get that? And talked about connection and all of that. Okay. Getting a few, very, very few. I think we got one sign up for a small group. So the thing is, we need for you to sign up for small groups. We're super excited about them getting started up. It is um, starting the week of September 13th, right around in there. But we do need for you to register because some of these groups, we're trying to see how they're going to fit together if we can pull them off. And so please register. Super easy. Get on your phone. Again, come see me if you're not sure how to do it. And I will help you to get signed up for the small group you're interested in. They're all listed out. And um, it's going to be super um, great time for you to jump in because there's a lot of new ones. So everyone's going to be new. Jump into a group somewhere so that you can grow spiritually. This is super important for our church as we build unity together. And so one note I think the women's small group that's on Thursday morning is starting that same week, too. So they won't be this week. It'll be the next. So those of you that were a little confused on that. So another thing coming up, super cool, is a mission trip opportunity. Um, 5280 is what it's called. And there's going to be a meeting about that next Sunday. So I'm just kind of sticking that out there. If you're interested in missions, you want to take a short-term mission trip, great opportunity. And that's going to be coming up. The information will be next Sunday. All right. Whew. I'm out of breath. I'm getting used to the altitude, but man, whew. Anyway, so um, lastly, we are just excited about the opportunity we've been having. You've been hearing about it is to match funds to help us reduce our debt. We've had a donor that is giving us 50000 and up to 50000 if you'll match up that. So we've been getting some money in. Please continue to do that. We're up to 6000 
almost $7,000. And so give towards that. You can do that on your phone. I think the offering thing will pop up here. And you can do that from your phone, online. You can give. You can do it in the offering. Make sure you note it as matching funds. And so we're excited about the opportunity. And it ends coming up in about a month, I think. So be praying about how God wants you to give over and above your tithes and offerings. And just want to say to you guys, thank you for your faithful giving. Um, Pastor Dell and I, I'm Michelle, by the way, if you don't know me, um, are just so, what a summer it has been with you guys, getting to learn about you and to see what this church is about. As we felt so strongly, God said, that's where you're going to go. And so here we are at this point of stepping into the fall and looking forward to what God's going to do here in and through you guys and your gifts. Thank you for being faithful and for hanging in there through. I know a whole, whole lot. And so we're going to go to this time of giving here in just a couple of moments. So the ushers will be making their way up. But I just want to say thank you for giving, for being faithful. God is going to bless you. And so often we get nervous about our money and about giving that away because we don't know how it's all going to we do this all the time, don't we, Dale? How are we going to make it sometimes? We look ahead and we wonder. God is faithful when you are faithful with your life, with your gifts, with what's first in your heart, and you give that. So this morning, we want to say thank you. And as you pray about what God is talking to you about giving, I pray he's going to bless you in amazing ways in the coming future. And so let's pray together. Father God, we're so glad to be here together, gathering so thankful for your grace and mercy that we don't deserve, God. You're amazing. We love you. I thank you for each person here in this space, our children down in their space, learning about you, God. Be with our children's workers and our children as they're hearing about you and learning their faith. God, help us to be like them, open to learning new what is it, God, you want to do new in us? Help us today to hear that. As we move forward through our service, just pray you would speak to us wherever we are at in all of our journeys, all over the map, and the things that we're going through, the things that we may have drug in with us, God, let us let that go. Focus on you and hear from you today. And you may pray.
believe. I believe you, Lord.
just want you to speak out names of God. I'll start. We're going to just speak out names of God. El Shaddai. What's some Jehovah. What's another one? Yahweh. Jireh. Who else do we have? Pence, Prince of Peace. Jireh. We've got Elohim. Love that one. How about I am? What else do we have? Yeshua. Rapha. Emmanuel. King of Kings. Lord of Lords. I couldn't hear that one. Redeemer. Oh. Messiah. Is there any more? Lover of our souls. There are so many names that we get to sit in and come underneath of our precious Father. There's not one need that you have that He doesn't have a name for that He can't answer for you. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? You can go to Him and call Him any of those names and He will answer you. That's a beautiful thing. Let those pondering your hearts. Far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see, and this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea.
love you, Lord. Love you, Father. Yahweh, the great I am, the mighty one, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. Father, you are good. We thank you for your love and for allowing us to come into your throne room and worship you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you in your name. And all God's people said, I like reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible. Found out, uh, found out Jesus had a little brother. Anybody know his name? James. When I read that, I was like, how much pressure was that? <laughs> Jesus, your big brother? How many times do you have to hear, why come you can't be more like Jesus, James? Because <laughs> you know, everybody probably thought that James could do the same thing Jesus could do, but he couldn't. He was just James. He wasn't James Christ. <laughs> Remember the wedding banquet? Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody was amazed, but they don't tell you about the next banquet. Jesus left early. They started running out of wine. Everybody looked at James. <laughs> it's like, man, last time this happened, your brother made some wine, dude. You, you just going to stand there with your sandals on? You're not going <laughs> to... Can you make some Kool-Aid or something, man? You're not going to do anything. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm feeling this side of the room's a little more awake than this side of the room. Good morning, everybody. Hey, there you go. Great to see you. How's everything going? Okay. Well, we'll see if we can get better at that then, right? I mean, uh, I, I, I'm a kid brother. Anybody else a kid brother out here? Anybody we share commonalities? Just a few of you. All right. Awesome. Kid brothers are great. Um, I have five siblings, and the, 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 the good thing about my family dynamic is that um, not only was I a kid brother, but I almost, I almost kind of was like a, an only child, because there's almost 10 years between me and my old, my next, you know, my closest sibling. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I had the best of both worlds, in my opinion. I, I have one core memory in my mind growing up uh, playing with my brother. I'm, on, I'm not even going to tell you his name because I don't want you Googling him and, you know, trolling him or anything. But, but I, had, um, I had this core memory, and, and maybe you guys had the same toy that I had. But does anybody remember um, that set of dart guns? All right. So um, it's not the safest toy because, you know, they had to change it. Those um, darts were rigid, and so you could pop the, 
little suction cup thing off and use it as like a flying spear. And my brother did that to me. But, but, um, but I have this core memory of we would play this game and we would, we, I, don't, I don't remember the name of the game. I think it was called like One Dart Only or something. And my brother, who's 10 years older than me, keep that in mind, um, we would put one dart in the middle of the room and then I would have my dart gun and I'd have to go over and hide behind the couch and then he would have his dart gun and he would go hide wherever it is that he hid and then he would say go and then whoever got to the dart first got to load their dart gun and then shoot the other one. Now, who do you think won that most of the time? I mean, you know, so it was just a great memory that I had of being a kid brother and uh, I, I, if, if you get the chance, I want to hear some of your kid brother stories. Uh, over the course of the next few weeks that we're together about kid brothers. But the thing about kid brothers and kid sisters is that we get to observe our older siblings, right? We, we get to watch. We listen, we watch, we take notes on the, the lives of those who are older than we are. We, we, get to, we get to watch your mistakes. We get to see when you are brilliant. We get to watch when you are crash landing, and we get to watch when you pull one out at the very last minute. It's just an amazing thing to be a, a kid brother. Little, little brothers and sisters get the privilege to see if who you are at home is who you are everywhere else. That's the privilege of being a, a kid brother. We get the option of being able to either authenticate or discredit the claim of our older siblings. And if you are a younger brother or sister, you know this to be true. You, you know things. Jesus had a little brother. He had, he had a, 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 a couple brothers, actually. But one brother in particular that we're probably more familiar with than any other would be his kid brother, James. And James knew things because he was a kid brother. He watched Jesus grow up. He was there as Jesus began teaching. And, and preaching. As he strolled the countryside and, and his ministry grew, as Jesus began to heal and as Jesus began to perform miracles, and James got to watch as Jesus stepped forward and claimed to be God. And as all of that transpired, as all of that happened, we, we have some evidence in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of James not being too sure about this new identity that Jesus was taking on. James just didn't know for sure if he actually was who he claimed that he was. But you know, and, and, and I know, something happened to James. Something happened one weekend that changed everything for James. On that Friday, he was there along with several other people as he watched his brother get put up on a cross and die. He was there with the crowd as he saw that take place. And more than likely, I would suspect, if, if what we can um, gather from Scripture is true, maybe he even breathed under his, his breath that day. Man, I knew it. I knew that he was a fraud. I knew he wasn't everything that he said that he was. But by sometime, after lunch, probably around lunch sometime on Sunday, that all changed for James. Sometime that morning, the word began getting around that Jesus was no longer dead. And shortly after that, Jesus, according to a very reliable source, Jesus ended up meeting with James. 
And after that afternoon, after that time, that event turned James into becoming Jesus' greatest little brother. And just like that, James went from skeptic to senior church leader. He went from um, back row doubter to front and center evangelist. And fortunately for you and I and the rest of the church, James has, has written instructions on how to really live as a Christ follower. He's given us instructions on how to survive this life with your faith intact. It's an instruction manual. Now, I, I know because I've been around the block a few years, now some of you may not be interested in this. You probably have this disciple of Jesus thing, you know, well in hand. You're, you've already got it all figured out. But for the rest of us, for those of us who are still in the game, James has given us this gift. It's a very practical approach to faith. Quite frankly, it's a, it's a strikingly applicable book, sermon, message on being a believer, a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. Maybe the best book on how to be a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. But the, things with, the, the thing with James is that there, there's, a, there's a catch. It's actually um, a, a letter, we call it an epistle, but it's a letter written by James. Um, some has called it a, a sermon, but it was, it was written for, for one thing, action. It was written for action. James wrote this so that you could have a front row seat to what it means to be a, a, a person on fire, a person who lives for Christ, not just believe that there's a Jesus, but to actually live for Jesus. And as a matter of fact, um, scholars have identified somewhere between uh, 54 to 60, depending on how you interpret the, the, the wording of, of that, but, but they have identified 54 imperatives. There are 54 things to do in this letter that, that James has written to us and we find in the Bible. And so if, if you approach James looking for three tips on how to be a couch potato and still follow Jesus, or, or if you are looking for five ways to love Jesus without it affecting your busy schedule, James may not be for you. But if you're hoping to find tools, if you're hoping to find um, things that you can use that will help you develop deep water faith in Christ, I, I, I believe that this will be beneficial for you. So we're going to take, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks or something and talk about this idea of Jesus' courageous little brother, James. We're going to discover what James has to say about that. One thing, anecdotally, um, this, this, this book, this, this letter, this sermon that James wrote, he wrote it sometime in the mid-40s, uh, according to the most, most scholars, which, which means that's just about a decade after Jesus' ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Uh, for those of you who have followed Jesus for a long time, no doubt you, you, um, you know John 3.16. Every, anybody know John 3.16? You, you know that Bible verse. You're familiar with that. Well, for context, John, that, that gospel came out about 50 years later than James's letter. And so James gives us this, this picture of being a man on fire for Christ, and his intention is that those who would read it would become on fire as well. So as we kind of take a look at this, my, my hope, my prayer for you is that you'll, you'll dig into this little book, this little sermon of, of, of James. So we're going to start this morning um, right off the top, James chapter 1, verse 1. And this is what James wrote to us, the church. He identifies himself right off. He said, this letter is from James. 
There's been a lot of, of debate as to what James that is. There were six or seven James, uh, according to you know, what you read about in the Gospels, but it's pretty verifiable. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He identifies himself as a slave of God and a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those of you who are kid brothers or sisters, can you ever imagine your life going, yeah, I'm a slave to my older brother? I mean, he may have put you in slavery when you were a kid, but as you're a grown-up, you would never say, yeah, I'm a slave to him. And yet this is exactly what James has dawned on him. He's realized that Jesus said he was the Christ, and one Friday afternoon he died, but one Sunday he came back to life, and it was amazing, and he now recognizes, I'm a slave to Jesus, the Christ. He's writing to the 12 tribes of, of Israel, the, 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 the Jewish believers scattered abroad, and as an extension, the, the remainder of the church, and he just kind of reaches out and says, hello everybody, that's who I am. I'm a slave of Jesus, I'm a slave of God. I'm writing to the church, how you doing? And right off the bat, he said, brothers and sisters, friends, those of you who are connected through the church and through Jesus Christ, when troubles come your way, that word trouble, um, you can interpret that a lot of different ways. You could, when trials come, when temptations come, when hurt, anxiety, fear, doubt, struggle, fill in the blank, whatever, whatever word you want to put in there, when troubles come your way. Consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know that when faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so, church, let it grow. That word that James uses in that, that sentence of, of, of tested, when, when troubles come your way and when your faith is tested, that means the proving of your faith. When difficulties come, it's the proving of your faith. And so I, I read that several years ago when I finally started to become, uh, you know, serious about my relationship with Jesus. I want to really dig in and find out exactly what was going on here. And so this morning as we look at this together, uh, maybe one of the first things that comes into your mind as it came into my mind is I just want to make sure that we're, we're getting this. It says when you have temptation. When you have trials, hard times, difficult days, while you're getting a chance to prove your faith or your commitment or your love for God, James says, consider it joy when trials come. It seems to me that, that we don't have a choice whether difficulties come or not. We don't have an option. We don't get a, a chance to decide whether or not that should happen when temptations, trials, difficult things come. And you know this because you have experienced this way and my experience says the same thing. We do not have a choice when things come, but we do get the option of the choice of how we steer through them. And we do get to figure out how to emerge out from underneath them. And, and the way, you know, like I mentioned, I, I, I appear super young. I know that, but I'm not that young. Pat <laughs> myself, myself on the back. But, but um, you know, in, in, my, in my experience, I, I've witnessed basically two fundamental ways that people deal with struggle. When they deal with hard things. When they deal with difficulty in life. And you probably have witnessed this too. One, one way is, is to get frustrated. Mad. You allow it to get internal and 
you, you, you stress out or you end up on the floor in a fetal position and eventually, if that's the way that you go, you usually end up just quitting. The other thing that I've, I've witnessed with people um, is a, a completely different way of how they deal with toil and stress and trials. They consider it joy. And, and I know that that sounds kind of weird. I, I, I know that it does, but this isn't my idea. I, I didn't write this book. James did. It comes straight from, from James, who, who gave us a firsthand account of what can happen when we put our faith over our doubt, when we live in victory and not frustration all the time. And you see, the thing with this is that the joy doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're happy. We live in a world that constantly just tries to, to put that out as the message. Just, just be happy. Matter of fact, there was a song not too long ago. If you've been, if you're my age, you probably remember it. Be, don't worry, be happy. Just whatever happens, just be happy. Great tune, by the way. But that isn't really realistic, is it, all the time? Sometimes there's just struggle. And the reality is, is that, that happy is just an illusion. Being happy is something that momentarily distracts you from all the bad things going on, but that's not really joy. That's where you live. It's just smoke and mirrors. Joy, true joy, the kind of joy that we need, the things that we need to make it through the difficulties of life won't come from being happy because happy is an emotion. And emotions betray us sometimes. That's, that's happy. Joy is something else. Joy is a state of your soul. And it's only available from a source that is outside this life. You can't fix the things of this life with things in this life. We need something bigger, something that's outside of, of, of our ability to stretch and reach it. We need something much more than that. Possessing joy is, a, is having a deep understanding, a deep sense that even in the worst of circumstances, God has provided enough. That's so profound that I'll just say it again. Sometimes, the most deepest, darkest moments of our life, it's, it's the only thing that will get us through is realizing that God will provide enough. And joy means that things are going well. I brought a, a picture, a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Maybe have you heard of Horatio Spafford? Some of you. Horatio Spafford was a wealthy Chicago lawyer with a thriving uh, law practice, um, a, a beautiful home, he had a lovely wife, um, a family, uh, he, had, he had a son, four daughters, he also had a, a deep faith in God. Uh, he was doing pretty good. By every single measure that we would measure a man by in his achievements or in his success, we would say Horatio was, was crushing it. At the very height of his financial and professional success in the, the late 19th century, about 1870, at the very height of, of Horatio's success, um, Horatio and his wife Anna suffered a tragic loss. 
They lost their little boy. Shortly thereafter, about a year after actually, October 8, 1871, um, if you're a, a history buff, you may recognize that date. That was the date of the great Chicago fire. That, that fire gutted Chicago, destroyed nearly every real estate investment that Horatio had. And unlike the 250 people or the 90, uh, the 250 people that died or the 90,000 that lost their homes, the Spaffords at least had their house. And even though their finances were mostly depleted, Anna and Horatio used what resources they had left to feed those who were hungry, to help those who were struggling, the homeless, they would care for the sick, they would uh, bandage the injured, they would comfort their grief-stricken neighbors. The great Chicago fire was a great American tragedy by which the Spaffords leveraged it to show the love of Christ to those who needed it. They, they were doing it. E- even, um, even after two years of, of, of this, that they, they, they made a decision that they needed some time away two years of, of working with their neighbors and friends and trying to prop up their neighborhood. Uh, they, they had tests and struggle and setbacks. After two years, Horatio decided that, that he would send his family to, to Europe for a holiday. And so November of 1873, he, he scheduled a boat trip to Europe in order to give his wife and their daughters some, some space, some, some fresh air to breathe, a vacation, maybe to kind of pick up the pieces from what was left. And the day, that they were sail, uh, the day that they were to climb on the boat and go to Europe, Spafford had a business emergency. Of course he, he did. That's what happens when you make all these big plans. But he had a, a business emergency, and so he, he couldn't go with him, but he didn't want to disappoint his family. And so he decided to, to put Anna and his daughters on ahead of, the bo- of, of himself. So he bought four tickets on the SS Wildehav, and he planned to follow them on another ship. In just a few days, he had to button things up here. They would be on their way. He'd get on a boat and meet them. But on November the 22nd, 1873, in the middle of the night, the ship carrying his family was struck by a British vessel. It was an iron boat called the Loch Urn. Now, of 313 people on that boat, only 87 survived. Anna Spafford was one of them. But not his four little girls. They all drowned in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. The the survivors of that boat were were put on another vessel that had come by in the early morning hours and rescued them, and they took them to Wales. So in Cardiff, Wales, she found a, a, a... a place to get a message out to her her husband, and she telegraphed her husband Horatio, and her message was brief. This was the first line of her telegraph, said this, Saved alone, what shall I do? As soon as he received his wife's telegram, Horatio left Chicago, no delay. He hopped on the next vessel, and he wanted to get her so he could bring her back. Sailing across the Atlantic Ocean, the captain of the ship called Horatio to the bridge. He had heard what had happened, and so he called Horatio to the bridge, and 
He informed him. He said, a careful reckoning has been made, and I believe we're now passing over the place where the ship was wrecked. Can you imagine? That night, alone in his cabin, Horatio G. Spafford began writing a song that we know as It Is Well With My Soul. The words go like this, first verse. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. When you have temptation and struggle and battles and trials and difficulty and anxiety, when difficult days come, while you're getting a chance to prove your faith and commitment and love and trust in your God, when and while those things happen, James, Jesus' courageous little brother says to us, consider it joy. Why? Why would he, why would he say that? Because James knows something. He wants the rest of us to know it as well. So in the very next part of verse 4, he lays it out for us. He says, because your endurance need chances to grow. Fellow believer, fellow Jesus follower, fellow Christian. Why? Because your endurance needs an opportunity to grow. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed. You'll be perfect. That word means mature. You'll be a grown-up. And you'll be complete. And you'll be in need of, of nothing. Years ago, um, when, when our kids were little, um, we had a ridiculous idea to spend a lot of money and take our children to Disney World. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I, we did have a great time. My, my little girl's here with me this morning. You remember that trip, Hannah B? She doesn't remember. I remember because I put you on my shoulders and carried you the whole day. But, um, but, but we, we went to Disney, and, and um, they had put this, this thing into place. I mean, Disney's a machine. You probably know that. But, but if you've never been to Disney World, um, just look at the pictures. Don't don't go. You just, just waste your time. But no. But but Disney was an amazing place, and lots of people. And you give a lot of money to stand in line all the time. I mean, that's really what it does. Just more heat, please. Just let me sweat. Oh, here's more money. You know. And uh, they came up with this idea called the Fast Pass. 
And what you could do is, if, if, you, if you went to this particular ride, for example, if I wanted to ride Space Mountain, um, if it was 11 o'clock in the morning, I could punch a button and a, and a ticket would kick out. And at 2 o'clock, if I came back, I could get in the front of the line. They were learning how to speed, you know, space people out. And so they called this thing the Fast Pass. Well, it worked so well that you know, Disney eventually monetized it. You can't get it for free anymore. You have to buy it. It's called, uh, let's see what they're called, G Genie Plus now. You have to pay for it to get this. But, but, but the point is that, that we, were, we were given this, this idea that, oh, you, you just get, it's, it's easier. Just, it's faster. It's better for you. And Disney's not the only, you know, entity that's done this. We, we live in a world that is working very hard at making you as comfortable as it humanly can. And they want your money as, as in, in turn for that. If you want, you know, a, a, the easy life, just give us money. We'll make your life easy, right, or whatever. Fast pass. You can buy it. You can get it. You can achieve it. Easy. The problem is we've been duped into thinking, somehow, something has turned here. We've been duped into somehow believing that that following Jesus means that somehow we, we get a fast pass. That we don't get struggle. All we have to do is say yes to Jesus and then, you know, the water parts. The, the roads flatten out. No curves. It's awesome. And of course, if, you've, if you follow Jesus for more than 10 minutes, you know. That's just not true. We've been duped into thinking that following Jesus somehow means that we deserve a, a, a fast pass in life. And so what, what we do is we, we chase comfort in, instead of character. And, and we paddle toward the path of least resistance instead of forging the pass or the path of, of radical trust in Christ and, and despite circumstances. And as a result, when tough times do come, and they always do, you try to fill up on whatever takes your mind off of whatever it is you're dealing with. You do that through addiction, shopping, I don't know, work, fill in the blank. Whatever, whatever it is that takes your mind off the, the current circumstances, that's what you, you chase. Or, or maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you become like one of those angry Christians that just rant on social media. You know, I don't know. Or maybe you're neither of those. Maybe, maybe your style is just to, just to lay back and you, you prefer instead to just quietly stick your difficulty away and pack it away in this filing cabinet that you're building so that one day when you finally do meet God, you can pull that file out and say, see how hard it was? pursue you see how hard it is Jesus to be one of your followers instead of considering the alternative instead of coming to the reality that this existence our life on this side of eternity our place in this world is an opportunity for Christ to shine through us That in spite of whatever challenge that you're dealing with, whatever hardship that you're managing, maybe you're holding on to the last thread below the last knot 
on the rope. And you're just hanging on there. This is an opportunity to realize that Jesus is. And that he is faithful to keep you going as you build up your endurance for him. So I, 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 I guess I should ask you. Is it well with you? Is it well in your soul? I didn't ask if you're happy. That's really not a good question anyway. The question is, is it well with you? No matter the circumstance, or the trial, trouble, tribulation, temptation, tragedy, whatever, no matter what you're dealing with at present, is it well with you? Maybe, maybe a better question, maybe a better way to put it would be, do you trust God even in the most difficult of days? And if you do, you're in a great spot. You, you can look at this season of life as one that will give you a great story to tell one day. You'll, you'll be able to, to tell your, your, your friends, your family, your children, your grandchildren, maybe if God uh, wills it, your great-grandchildren. You'll have an amazing story to tell about how much of a struggle things were, but the amazing way that things turned out because your faith was tested and proved and your endurance grew and God was holding you the whole time. If that's you. If it isn't well with you, you live in a different world. If it isn't well with you, you might be putting your trust in something that can't support the magnitude of your life. And I don't say that flippantly. I, I want you to know that you are a very significant person. You matter. And there's only one pair of hands that are, that are strong enough to hold you up, that are strong enough to carry you through. And those are not human hands. Those hands belong to God. And isn't it time that you put your past and your present and your future into the only set of hands? can handle the magnitude of your life. Isn't it time? I don't, I don't know where you live. I mean, I may have your address, but I don't know where you live. You may be going through dark waters. Some of you have shared some stories with me that I'm in awe. But I don't know all your stories. I don't know where you live. I don't know if it's well with you today or not. Some of us, uh, maybe let me edit that, all of us struggle. All of us deal with hurt and temptation and struggle and tests. But it's who you put your faith in that will determine how you emerge through that time of testing, temptation, and trouble. Is it well with your soul? 
you journey with me for the next few minutes and maybe just close your eyes for a moment, a holy moment. I already mentioned to you, I don't know where you, where you are. I don't have any idea some of the pain that you carry. Which is fair, because you don't know mine. But I would ask you in this moment that maybe of all the things that you've tried to keep a happy face on or to keep all of those things at bay, have you ever thought, maybe I should just trust God? So in this moment, I would like to pray for you. I would like to pray with you. Because I get a sense that some of you are, you know, up, up to the chin. The water is rising and the ground is rapidly evaporating from beneath your feet and you're just not sure where the next step is going to be if there's going to be a next step some of you have been treading water some of you are maybe going down for the last time and if that's you can I give you some assurance this morning that there's a God who loves you deeply deeply enough that he made a way so that you could know him but not only know about him but to know him so that when you come up against the struggles in life and the temptations of life, that you can reach to him and allow his hand to hold you in those moments. Father in heaven, thank you for these moments. We can open up your word and even though it was written a long way and a long time ago from where we are right now. Man, it sure sounds as if it's applicable to me and my life in the 21st century here in Woodland Park, Colorado. As my finger traces the words across the page, I, I see my life in so many of the circumstances of the difficulty and the trials and temptations and forced to come face to face with, you know, the fear, fear of future, fear of what happens, what if. And then I followed the story a little bit further down and tells me that if there's one way we're going to make it out of this, it's by putting our faith and our hope and our trust in you. And so God, in these moments, I'm, I'm asking that you would in, in impress on the souls that are in this place right now to be brave and to be courageous and for them to even in this moment to acknowledge that you are. But more than that, you made a way for us to know you, that you sent your son to come here in, in the flesh to show us how to live, how to know you, how to come to relationship with you, and how to follow you closely all of our days. And then you, you went on and you promised us that you would send us your spirit that would walk with us and that would carry us through the dark times. And it's true. I know it. 
because I've lived there. God, I was reminiscing this morning as we were singing songs to you and about you, how real you've been in my life in the very dark time when I didn't know if there was going to be a tomorrow or not. And if there was, it was probably going to be worse than today. And the, the struggle was real. And I'm so thankful that you're faithful. So thankful that in the time of my trial, in the time of my temptation and difficulty, that I knew enough to hold on to you. So this morning, I ask, oh God, that you would impress on people this morning the very real sense that you are big enough to hold the whole world in your hands. That you're big enough that you can breathe and stars come into, into being. That you're small enough to be with me in my bedroom next to my bed crying my eyes out because I don't know what to do next. So today, my God, would you just rest in this place and be with each person who is working through some tough things. We may not know all the theology and all the big Bible words and all the doctrine, but we know enough and this makes sense enough that we can put our hope and faith and trust in you. So today, God, rest on us. Rescue us. Redeem us. Thank you for who you are and what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. And we will be careful to lift your name up and praise you and tell everybody we know what a great God you are. And we'll do our best to let our life be an example of what it means to follow after you. And we'll, we'll be brave to tell the stories of once I was lost and then I got found and once I struggled but God got me through and then I struggled again and God got me through and then rinse and repeat over and over and over and as my endurance is building my faith is deepening and my trust is growing and growing and my maturity is playing out right in front of my, my eyes so thank you be with every single one of us here. Be with those who we're praying for spread out all over the world. Help us to follow you with all that we are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? I just want to encourage you before we go. Um, this book of James, this sermon of James, this letter to us, this epistle, is full of great stuff that I hope that we're able to unpack together over these next few weekends. Um, when we're done, I'm going to say a blessing over you. When we're done, there'll be a couple people up front that are here just to pray with you. They don't have advice for you. They're good people, but I wouldn't take their advice. But they want to, they're good prayers. And they'll pray for you. And like I promised last weekend, if you don't have the faith, maybe... Maybe you can borrow some of their faith today. God bless you.
and keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. You don't deserve it, but that's how awesome he is. May his countenance shine upon you and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. I'll see you on Sunday.